everybody, welcome to another edition of the uh, Bald Movies Commission yeah. Podcast Series Anthology. Is it? Is it loosely tied together? Great work. Magnum opus. <laughs> what bald, other ways can movie. we inaccurately describe it's the bald movies what we theme. do here? It's my magnum opus. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, a, it's a penguin with a giant nose. Um, Dr. Ken has mm-hmm. commissioned the movie The Man Who Shot Liberty Valence. Or Valence? Valence. I, I say Valence. I don't know Valence. what it actually is. Yeah, Liberty It's one of those Valence. things where, God damn it, I couldn't tell you how, which way it's pronounced in the movie. It's uh, I've kind of tried to close my eyes, and it, uh, it's, all, it's all gone. Uh, this is um, a, a John Ford-directed black-and-white western starring John Wayne. They collaborated on ten separate films. Hmm. Uh, okay. I, I, can disc- I consider myself a fairly big... John Wayne fan, not because I've seen a lot of his stuff. What I have seen, I, I've liked. Mm-hmm. Um, but he just reminds me so much of my grandfather. Okay. In his physical construction, just the, like this big barrel-chested dude with giant fists and a Choice square jaw. Not so much. <laughs> um, okay. And, uh, you know, I just get the kind of warm, fuzzy memories of him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I want to let Dr. Kent introduce it, and then I want to ask you what you thought. He says, uh, it's with great pleasure that I request and commission this podcast on the classic John Ford, John Wayne movie, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. Valance. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, it's one of John Wayne's finest performances in a film that takes a hard look at the transformation of the West from a lawless gun-toting society to a modern society of government and laws. Its views on the importance, or should I say the debate on the importance of guns in society, I think still has relevance even to this day. But above all else... It's damn fine entertainment. Wayne has some great lines, and this role allows him to give a more emotional performance than most of his early Western works. Lee Marvin plays a ruthless villain to perfection. Jimmy Stewart plays the high-principled everyman like nobody ever has, along with many other great supporting characters in this film. Plus, some great lines of dialogue, including what I think is one of the most, uh, best, most poignant final lines of any movie you'll see. I know you guys haven't done too many classic films or old westerns, and I hope you'll enjoy this one. Jim, I have one question for you. Okay. John Wayne rides mm-hmm. in this movie, and he's wearing a 20-gallon hat. 20? Wow. Okay. Did you think he, ro- did you think he pulled it off, or did you instantly... As much as anyone or did can. instantly you laugh and like, this is ridiculous? No. Th- so my first instinct was to be immensely bored by this film. Okay. Um, it's oh, from shit. it's from 1962, and I'm I'm coming around to to a rosier view of it. So okay. so let me, let me get there. I don't have the proper context to quite judge both a film from 1962, mm-hmm. um, and I don't have the both the pop culture and historical references of the Old West quite down. So yeah. going into this, I was not excited at all to be watching this film. Um, but. Somewhere along, like in the middle, I realized that this was going to be more entertaining mm-hmm. um, than I suspected. And then somewhere, I think it was when Link first steps on screen. Yeah, fucking b- both modern day Link and old school Marshall uh-huh. Link. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Those guys are ridiculous and had me <laughs> laughing. Uh, and then somewhere further down the line, I realized, okay, there's a lot of commentary here, and it's all fairly interesting and surprisingly nuanced for a film of the era. I think it makes for a great little political primer. Okay. 
Like, right. So, like, that's this the thing. is the way our society works. This is why it's important. This is how okay. you, you affect change. Like, it it made me feel really fucking patriotic. Yeah, I guess the the only way in which I would say it doesn't have any kind of uh, political relevance today is that the fight is over statehood. And when, so the last time that they were talking about statehood was a while ago. Uh, now I doubt we're going to be talking about statehood anytime soon. So, so, so like the procedures are not relevant, although the topics still are. Yeah, like that's liberty what I'm versus but, law sure. and order. I mean, the, the themes are very overt in here, but there is a, a nuanced message a thing that John Ford is trying to say. Yeah, and I, I think that yes, it's you're right. We don't have very many uh, territories trying to become states, <laughs> although you know you look at the you know U.S. Samoa and Puerto Rico, that right. could happen, uh-huh. but. The the struggle against the uh, the, uh, the struggle of the fat cats versus the little guy, uh, the struggle of uh, you know I- increased law and order and goods and services and taxes and education and literacy mm-hmm. versus you know pure liberty and freedom whatever that means like um, you know that's the thing is like liberty means a lot of things to a lot of people some people think it's like the freedom to do whatever the fuck you want. Mm-hmm. Even if that is to stick a gun in another man's face and just pull the trigger, some people think the f- you know th- being able to not worry about one's health and one's safety when one walks about a public street is the definition of liberty. That's insane <laughs> to me. Okay, so um, but no, I thought it was great. And like you know, if you're a Jimmy Stewart fan, uh, you know, do you like to see Jimmy Stewart as a upstanding lawyer, as a straight as narrow shooting politician? As a teacher, as a relatable everyman, well, holy fuck, in this movie you get to see him as all four simultaneously. It's like, it's kind of like he's playing his greatest hits, and he kind of gets to be a bad, he punches out John Wayne, too. He does, he delivers a, uh, I guess it's just a cross. Yeah, I mean, it punches out, it's like, he bemuses John Wayne. Right, he Uh, he sucker uh, punches him, (laughs) knocks him to the ground, surprisingly, like, I didn't think Jimmy Stewart had it in him, and outside of a movie, he probably does Sure, but I I thought that was, uh, you know, and and also, uh, uh, I thought John Wayne was kind of an asshole in a lot of this film. Right, yeah. And I like the fact that uh, Jimmy Stewart called him on it. Yeah, the one thing you will never see Jimmy Stewart as is a bad guy. I bet there he I, I I don't know that that's true. I bet that the he and I, I'm sure we'll see in the forums that someone will say, and I'm sure okay. it's it's like something crazy. It's like I would like to when see Robin Williams played the serial killer in right, one hour well, photo. Yeah, yeah, it's like ah, you know, it's 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 really it's really. I would love to see that. Speaking of sucker punch, that's that's Jimmy Stewart. He's capable of that. He's going to play a serial yeah. killer and knock you on your ass. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't want to get too deep into the themes yet because I feel like yeah, there's the... a lot to talk about, but there's some surface level stuff I'd like to get to. Okay, uh, more about just how enjoyable this film is. It um, took me a long time because like the movie really doesn't give a shit about holding your hand. It throws you into like you know, John. It's like a thirty minutes for John Wayne rides into the screen. Right. Yeah. It starts off with this He's like in a somber coffin, affair. You and, you, you, I, I I mean I know that now, but right. it's like. Who is this Tom Donovan guy? Mm-hmm. I assume, like, the whole movie, I was assuming that John Wayne... Oh, before we go on, if you want, if you have any inkling of seeing this old black and white western, and if you haven't, I encourage you to start with this, because I did some research, and this is kind of like, you know, in a top three for John John Ford, John Wayne collaborations, and, like, those, t- those that decology is, you know, sacrosanct. See, I wish I had seen John Ford's other stuff, because... 
so much of his career is tied up in a neat bow by this sure. movie, and I feel like it. I'm doing it a disservice commenting on it without having that context. Yeah, I mean, probably, but on the other hand, it's a unique perspective to get people's take on just like whether the movie is good or bad without that. You know, does it stand on its own? I think it does. Right. I was mm-hmm. as I, and I was hoping you did too, because man, if you were going to like not get over your old movie bias we were gonna have a bad time because i was laughing out loud and having a great i was texting you the whole time yeah, like were. oh my god when you see this marshall uh-huh. it's you were right <laughs> he's it's it's hilarious man it starts off pretty funny and it just gets funnier like you yep. don't really see i mean that's what's great about this movie is like they've got the hammiest physical slapstick comedy type shtick in 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 extremely serious circumstances as well like that's not mm-hmm. often you don't get that like nowadays like i'm thinking like if you're watching a movie like traffic and you just had like martin lawrence doing a buffoon character <laughs> like okay. that you you just don't really see that it's like everybody stays in their lane where this is like well you know we got to put something in for the six-year-olds so let's right. have a couple of gunfights and let's have a couple of uh fights and let's have this out over the top martial character and it really helps to make this place feel real i think having all these diverse cast of characters right you in a town like this you would have the town drunk you would have uh everyone's the town marshal. drunk though you're right everyone <laughs> but the news the editor the Jer- marshal yeah. like all of them are just town drunks uh but you know having a, a diverse range of personalities mm-hmm. i think helps yeah to, to make it feel like a town yeah and that's the, you know, the central con- the central s- struggle in the movie is about this state which is not named, mm-hmm. um, and it's about that it's it's an it's an unincorporated territory that these rich cattle ranchers use as their grazing land, and it's in their best interest to, you know, not have. Uh, this is before the railroads. Uh, this is before telegraph comes. To this to have this as like little law as possible, and they kind of all parcel it up and. People trying to come in here and live as families are getting, uh, you know, squeezed out. There's no get... doctors. There's no teachers. There's no schools. Yeah, yeah the the healthcare there was very poor. Yeah, basically, like let's look at them as they recover. <laughs> sure, if I, they recover, I thought sure that that Jimmy Stewart's going to lose his arm when yeah. he got shot. I thought when, in fact, when they're in the kitchen and they got these big knives out, I'm like, oh, we're going to actually going to see a black and white. <laughs> no way, man. Uh, you know, amputation scene, uh-huh. like like bite the bullet, Jimmy, uh-huh. bite the bullet. Here comes the knife. Yep. Uh-huh. And I don't know. Like, the thing is, is like, is John Wayne a good actor? Because I, I have know. I have seen his what's considered by many his finest role, which is the Quiet Man. And I agree, he's like got an immense amount of charm and magnetism. Yeah, I'm not sure it's acting though. Because he essentially plays John Wayne right. in every movie. And that's great, because we don't have many John Waynes. So if you got a John Wayne, have him play John Wayne in a lot of different movies. But mm-hmm. I don't know that i call it acting. Because it's like George Clooney, right? Like, I, George Clooney is just George Clooney in every movie he's in. Essentially. Although he can... Yeah, like an old brother where art thou, he stretches a little. Yeah, uh, and like comedy roles. And, yeah. and he can play a little bit uh, vulnerable and... Whereas, you know, John Wayne plays John Wayne. He's just this character. And Mm -hmm. I don't have a problem with that, but I have a problem with someone saying that, like, well, this showcases his finest acting. It might just be it's the most compelling, complex story. Right. Um, But still, it's a, you know, The Quiet Man is a movie that features, like, a 15-minute-long fist fight. 
which is as awesome and badass as you think it is. I need to see that. It's really great. It's, I can't say a, a, enough good about it. Um, uh, but yeah, but want- he does get a chance to. I mean, I'm going to go into spoilers here. So okay, yes. You know, if people don't want to hear spoilers and want to check this movie out first, tune out now because we're going we're going deep on this one. Uh, so there's the scene, you know, where he he shoots. Okay, big spoiler time. John Wayne shoots Liberty Valance. Tom shoots shoots him dead, mm-hmm. and he goes back to his house, uh, realizing you know that what he did is going to cost him Hallie. It's gonna it's gonna forever has turn her been to sweet on. And to be fair, she's been sweet on him, and it kind of yeah. It was understood that they were probably going to get married by the whole town, and he yeah. was building this new addition and making right. a nice porch so she can like try to set her up for happiness. And then he goes back after he shoots Liberty, and he burns the whole place down. He's he's distraught because he's just he knows he's just lost. He's just caused a scenario in which he lost. Uh, Hallie. Yeah, Jimmy Stewart, to, to the, the upstanding, super courageous lawyer. He engineered a situation where now Haley, you know, is going to choose. Is now feels yeah. affection and concern for him, and he's not going to say anything about it. And nope. it's, it's he's it's, just going to go home and burn his house down. I have, right. And I, it was also an act of suicide. Yeah, it because was. he got himself he like blackout the... drunk, set his house on fire, and sat down in the middle of it. And if it wasn't yeah. for Pompey, Pompey yeah, uh, his. Slave. Let's let's not it's mix, no, mix th- words here. No, he's I a slave. It's, it's, I, I think he's a free man. I don't. Yeah, he probably is, but not in the way and, that and free men need to be free. You know, it's, it's weird though because it's also like um, there's a couple of because he's illiterate, like over everyone else in this town is, mm-hmm. and he stands up to give like to try to to recite the Declaration of Independence, the yeah. preamble, right. And he stands up, and they play this music, and it's in front of this portrait of Abraham Lincoln, and it's kind of fucking badass. And I then, actually like that scene a lot. Yeah, um, and then later in the movie, when like the bartender, after you know this guy has saved his life and all this shit, uh, you know John Wayne is drinking with the purpose, and Pompey comes in there to get him, uh, you know, to, to, to save him some trouble, and the bartender gives Pom- Pompey a, a bit of guff about being a black man in his bar, and John Wayne's like. Fuck off! I'll take the whole bottle and we'll just set up shop and drink. Right. I, so he does get some some room to stretch. I, I do. I yeah. do like John Wayne's performance He's here toward the end. A light enlightened eighteen eighties cowboy or whatever. Right, but more more specifically, like when he gets a chance to show some emotion, other, yes. other than just a smile and a sure. one liner. Yeah. Um, I think he pulls it off. I think he does a good job. Yeah. So I, I think he does have some range. Um, talking about that scene with Pompey in the school where he's reading the Declaration of Independence or reciting it. Um, I read I read a, re- a review, an analysis of this movie, that said that that line at the end that Jimmy Stewart delivers, and they made the case for this, um, basically with the, the camera angles and the way in which they're telling the story, that that line at the end about, you know, people forgetting the equality part mm-hmm. of, of that, that all men are created equal. Mm-hmm. Uh People are saying this review said that that was ironic, that it came across unintentionally ironic given the rest of that scene. Whereas I didn't read it that way at all. I, I read it as a, a denouncement of kind of some of the ideals of this society. Yes. What uh, do you mean? Okay, I, I was with you until you actually said. Well, your... in as much as John Wayne has a slave, like I don't think it's a slave though. I think he's a free I know, man. But is he? I don't know. 
there's still a lot of residual uh so you what know, are you segregation saying? is so, so still very you, obviously in place. It's are not, you saying that Jimmy, that Jimmy Stewart's character is supporting inequality? Like he doesn't, he's like got the yeah, almost unintentionally. Like the way he's sitting, huh. the way that he instead of like correcting Hallie or whatever when she she says something, he lets a student correct it. He doesn't immediately jump jump up and say, "Oh, you're pronouncing that wrong" or whatever. Right. But he does with Pompey. And so they're hmm. making the case that, like, the way he's sitting, the way he's talking to Pompey... No, I, I, okay, I see what you're saying now. Because th- that is now an ironic reading of that line, and I don't agree. That's, that, that scene swings between a little cringy, like, patronizing... Sure. Yeah. And it always being kind of inspirational. Like well, not only that, but, like, this is a film... This is a progress... I think if you... T- <laughs> this is a, a super progressive film for 1960s. Right. I, I agree with that. Um... You know, this is a time when the Civil Rights Act was being fought mm-hmm. and, like, you know, black folk were getting right. hosed down and dogs sick on in the street and John Wayne sticking up for the right of this black man to not be segregated. Right. That's pretty fucking big. Yeah. And the way but, I read it, so is Jimmy Stewart standing up for equality. But right. I can see where a modern audience look at that and it's kind of cringy because it oh, does sure. see, yeah. feel like he's sitting there and kind of being patronizing towards, um, you know. But that's the thing, like... Yeah. That's part of his performance because, like, you know, when Haley conf- conf- um, confesses to him that she can't read, and she's like, "Do you think someone as old as I could read?" He's like, "Well, well, sure you can, Haley. Oh, uh, of course." I mean, he turns into turns Jimmy into Mr. Fucking, Wilbur. Yeah, he turns into a full-on horse. Yeah, uh, it's and the part Jim Carrey Stewart. Did. Like, you can't. <laughs> that's his deal, man. Do you remember Jim Carrey's SNL performance where he would do? I don't know. I don't. Him and and. Uh, Brewer Jim Brewer were doing Joe Pesci and Jimmy Stewart on a talk show with somebody. Okay. Okay. And this like this is quintessential what I think of when mm. I think Jimmy Stewart and some of his more over the top performances. Right. Uh, I think of that skit from SNL. I think a lot ago. of thing about Jimmy Stewart. Like the thing that most sticks with me besides his many great film performances is I saw an interview with him on Johnny Carson where he wrote a poem about his old dog, Bo, that just had recently passed away. Okay. And he 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 started crying. Johnny Carson's crying. The whole fucking audience <laughs> is crying. I'm bawling my eyes out. Like, he's got this cornball thing to him, but he also can get really real. Hmm. Like, it's, it's kind of like in the same way that, like, Johnny Cash's version of Hurt is just so kind of, like, devastating. J- Old-ass sure. Jimmy Stewart eulogizing his equally old ass dog and kind of like it's a metaphor for his life too at this point right it's devastating and that's sure. the thing he's a great i mean it's it's funny that like a lot of times people say tom hanks is our generation's uh jimmy stewart do they okay i've heard it said a m- bunch of times and i guess i would agree because you know he's got broad comedic roles he's got super dramatic roles he plays mm-hmm. like these upstanding everyman uh, has a few notable villainous roles as well, but I don't know. I I I think that sometimes I don't know. I, I, I'm of two minds of it because number one, it's like okay, if a modern audience watches this and like, ooh, this is kind of cringy and and, and uh, uh, patronizing, they're not wrong. But on the other hand, yeah. if you look at it, it, you know, it's like if you go back 200 years, every white man in America is racist and sexist. Sure, but you can still kind of grade some of them on a curve. On like a hypocrisy and like okay, well for his time he's all right. Sure, and I feel like the same thing you can do for entertainment. Like, you know, there's some things that are just 
preposterously bad ideas like Song of the South. There's others that is like, well, the heart, its heart was in the right place. Mm-hmm. And like, if they'd gone further than that, maybe no movie in the South plays, no, maybe no cinema in the South ever plays this film. And what's better? To get yeah, this I, broadly push... positive equality message into everyone's minds and hearts or right. play to the choir, you know, I don't know. Yeah, no, I, you got to push you got to push the window gradually. It can't it can't be uh change all at once, you know. Well, they you did, shouldn't like going back, I was afraid sure. that this was going to be all the sensibilities of uh of the more conservative white 60s given given that it's a western. Um, yeah. You, you could definitely see that. But yeah, it does have some surprisingly uh nuanced sensibilities i guess mm-hmm. yeah and i think that's it's something it's interesting it's something that like this horace and pete plays with um you know this the new louis ck like almost play um this alan alda character thinks of himself as progressive even though he casually uses the n-word and when people call him on it's like we were the first bar to desegregate like, you know, we're, we had the, the blacks and the Jews and everybody drinking here. How can you call me racist just because I use this particular word? <laughs> and I'm kind of reminded that because, like, I've read some – there's this, this a couple of kind of notorious interviews with John Wayne where he's got some pretty progressive views on a lot of different things. I can imagine. But, like, same as my grandfather. Like, yeah. uh, <laughs> I was thinking about doing an interview because my grandfather is, like, I don't know, 95 years old. And I was thinking about doing an interview, like, you just for posterity, like, sit down with my podcast yeah. and equipment and just talk and, like, hey, you were born in, what, 1914? Jeez. Or, no, not 1914. That, had been, that, was, that was my other grandfather. You were born in, like, 1921, whatever it was. Like, uh-huh. you've seen a lot of shit. Uh, yeah. Tell me about it. And just, like, you know. You've seen the Great Depression. Sure. And I've, Wars, had that, like... I've had that conversation with him, and it was fascinating. And I started uh-huh. thinking about recording him, and I'm like, oh, man. But he's also going to say some really crazy shit. But it's like I don't know. Right. Like, you gotta, you still gotta love your grandfather, and he's a, he's ninety five <laughs> years old. What do you want? What do you want from him? Do you want him to be like Noam Chomsky? I mean, <laughs> right. that's a different old ass guy. I I, I don't know. But that's yeah. kind of way I look at this film. Like, I think its heart's in the right place, and it's trying to do right by its subjects and be kind of inspirational. And I think it succeeds. Yeah. And and it felt, you know, like I've been feeling beat down by politics of late, but I actually felt really patriotic and politically motivated. Like this is, you know, this is nut this is meat and potatoes politics, sitting down and telling people this is what the law means for you and this is what you stand to lose and this is what you stand to gain and I'm a straight shooter and I guess the biggest fiction is that we don't have real politicians like James Stewart. That is going to sit there and, you know. Right, but this movie also, like, you look at the actual fight for statehood here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I don't know, like, here's the problem where you're talking about the procedures for statehood. I have no fucking clue what they're about. They have a couple of nominations for different yeah. representatives. I have no idea what those are. If they're like, oh, the state senator nomination. Like, primary nominee like i have no idea what those things are yeah so there's two rounds of it there's one Mm -hmm. in the town and then there's one presumably somewhere else in the state right uh in that second one there's still the dog and pony show right (laughs) sure right in the territory not the state yet which i enjoyed like the oratory the the uh war of words that the drunken journalist engaged with with the respected Uh highly paid politician but it i mean it also it shows both sides of that right like jimmy stewart is uh, the guy who's 
you know, for law and order, and he wants to do everything by the book and by the law for the good of the community. And then there's fucking, I forget his name, but the dude who goes up there has a goddamn horse right up on stage, nearly <laughs> yeah. kills everyone yeah, on he that does. stage. And they're playing the band, and he has it's a like lasso around his head, like. It's so ridiculous and over the top. I mean, it is it is everything that we see in modern politics. I know, and that's there what, in a nutshell. That's what cracks me up when people bemoan the coarsening of modern politics. Like, do yeah. you realize that men called each other out to duels and memorably, <laughs> in cases, killed each other in the capital over uh-huh. what went on? Do you realize that we fought a fucking civil war? Mm-hmm. You're trying to tell me. That the shit that we get up to now is beyond the pale? No. Yeah. No. It's just televised now. If More they had the internet back, see it. If they had internet back then, it would have been all of, oh, guess who's sleeping with the slaves? And right. guess who's got the mistress? It, it's, it's, it, it, the tools are different, but yeah, the tone and all this, and the spectacle, it's, it's been this way since the beginning. And it's, it's perfectly encapsulated in that final line, like Dr. Ken was talking about, you know, when when legend turns to fact, print the legend. Yeah, anything for I mean, the man who shot Liberty Valance. Right, right. It's, Which is a lie. His whole career based on a lie. Everything, and it, you can tell it eats at him. I, I want to talk a lot more about that, but yeah. I also want to talk about some sillier things. Like, okay. for instance, the, the pure joy that is being able to get pissed drunk and then drive home because you're driving a carriage, <laughs> and it doesn't really matter. Like, so many people get sloshed and then drive home you know because so i dated a girl who came from a very amish town in uh-huh. northern indiana and her father actually was the the county sheriff i thought you were gonna say town drunk but no okay no uh he was a teetotaler if i recall um but they have such a huge problem with um so, so the Amish guys, and and I don't want to slander Amish. I want to make it sound like everyone is 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 because every community's guy is drunk and idiot. But here's the thing: like right. we can't, we don't have self driving cars. Yeah. They do. Yep. These guys get liquored, lit, pass out yeah. drunk in their buggies, and then the horse knows to go home, so it goes home. You know what? The it's horse, not going to crash into a tree. You know what the horse doesn't know? What? The horse doesn't know about stop signs, and that's the problem. Okay. Because I mean, I'm sure there's a, a, a horse that maybe you can teach to stop at a stop sign, but there's uh-huh. all kinds of like chaos that happens when one of these guys and like, you know, there's like all kinds of laws <laughs> and stuff. But I thought it's interesting that in the wet, like if you get a town of a hundred. Mm-hmm. And everybody gets pissed drunk, and you get on your horse, and you pass out, and, and you get dumped. It's not a problem. It doesn't matter. Yeah, you're not going to kill anyone. You're not going to kill yourself. It's fine. I've Do got it. a friend from North Dakota who says that it's like drinking and driving up there is still like as big as it was in the 70s down here. No one gives a fuck. <laughs> wow. Because there's like, wow. there's like 250,000 people in this a state half the size of Texas, and who gives a shit? Yeah. Like, I'm sure in the cities, but out in the country, it's like that's just what they do. Yeah, they don't see it as a as a as a problem, right? I I just so here I've slandered Dakotas, I've slandered the Amish. Amish don't have to worry about I don't it because if you're, slander. I if think you're listening awesome. to this podcast, shame on you, right? <laughs> I, I think shame on you if you drive drunk in a modern in a modern civilization. Not not shame on you, right? On if you want to be the only person on the road driving drunk, okay? Like just don't just be responsible with it, you know? Sure. Like I don't give a shit if you crash yourself into a ditch. No, go for it. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like I don't think anyone would have a problem with drunk driving if it only affected the people right. drinking and driving. And that's what we're talking about here. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the carriage days, that's awesome. Yes, 
the bygone days where the you know they had the that's the funny thing is like it's taken a hundred years but we're finally getting back to self driving vehicles right <laughs> then you can get as smashed as you want right take your own personal Uber like, home that's the thing like in fifty years from now the concept of drinking and driving yeah would be like you know curbing your horse like uh-huh. that's something that you don't have to worry about you don't have to and even better because it does know about stop signs sure right exactly it's exactly. smarter than a horse yes presumably I smarter hope smarter and safer yep. Uh, what does on the cuff mean? I'll put it on my tab. I don't know. I didn't. I, that's not a quote that, it, that registered with. They me. continually say like the marshal comes in. He's like, "Oh, give me a steak and and oh, and beans they got the big board where they're putting X. Yeah, they put X's. He's, they're like one steak on the cuff, and then he's like, "I need give me a second steak." Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the cuff. That guy is like the Saturday Night Live version of the town drunk. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I realize how much of what my perception of Westerns is shaped by films like this, but this film in yeah. particular. Hmm. Like, that that guy is, like, the inspiration for every Bill Bradsky skit you've seen in SNL because the, the hmm. whole inflection, the way they made him up, so he's got, like, a big red nose. Um, I thought that uh, Lee Marvin's uh, Jack Val- or, uh, Liberty Valance, rather. Yeah. Reminds me a lot of uh, God damn it, who's the who's the guy that's in Tombstone? Who's the big villain? It's like the Waco kid or something. The kid, Billy. It's not Billy the kid, but it's the one that uh, has the rivalry with Doc Holliday. Have you seen Tombstone? No. Holy shit! I know. Someone commissioned Tombstone for love of God, <laughs> so I can get this guy's name. But you've, he he plays uh, John Connor's best friend in the original Terminator. He plays military dudes all the time. Like, James Cameron loves him. Hmm. Anyway, that guy is essentially the same character that Jack Valance is playing in this movie. Okay. Like, the outfit, the, like, the little black hat, and the, the vest, and the, it's like, it's, it's a, a clear homage, I feel like, anyway. I don't know. Um, the fact that John Wayne, like, does he say Pilgrim in more films than this? Because I, I kinda, don't know. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, Anytime you see like someone doing a Bogart impersonation, he's essentially doing Bogart from Casablanca. Right. And anytime you see John Wayne, it's like I feel like they're doing John Wayne. Well, I mean, first of all, they're doing just John Wayne. But it's particularly mm-hmm. the, all, all the Pilgrim shit. He says Pilgrim like 10, 15 times in his movie, but it's not like it's not like that's a nickname for everybody. That's specifically used with Jimmy Stewart's character, which I thought was interesting yeah. because it's almost a religious overtone. Hmm. This okay. man is on a pilgrimage. He's on some kind of holy mission from the East Coast with his law books to bring right. law and order to this town. Um, I don't know. I yeah. thought that was that was pretty cool. Uh, there are a couple of, of really good lines that I love. Like, first of all, the one where, you know, the stagecoach holdup is happening and Jimmy's Jimmy Stewart's like, what kind of man are you? Yeah. Attacking a woman. And he's like, this kind, dude. Smack to the face. I love the fact that, because dude is an old-timey, <laughs> right. wild, insult. W- yeah. w- western uh, insert, insult a term, but it sounds yeah. very anachronistic now, because everybody's like, when John Wayne's like, Hold up, dude. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> what the fuck? Did I just wake up in a big Lebowski? 1990s California? Yes. yes. SoCal? What the The Duke hell? abides. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, the other thing, the other line that I really love is when they're doing the pronouncement of Liberty, uh, his his death. Mm-hmm. Get the guy walks up, whiskey quick, mm-hmm. takes a big swig, rolls him over dead and walks away. <laughs> the town doctor is so good, man. Yeah. Um, just dead. Just one word. Yep. Uh, the rampant waitress shaming. 
<laughs> waitress? Oh, with Jimmy Stewart yeah, being like a waitress. Yeah, like he's wearing yeah. an apron and it's like, oh, you're like wearing a fucking apron and yeah, what's the doing waitress? The, and You know, one of the ways in which this show is, this movie is not that progressive. He's women's work is viewed as uh, waitressing. Honestly, it would have been fucking bizarre if everyone in the town had been like Jimmy Stewart. You know what I mean? Like, oh, sure, yeah. It, it would have been almost a parody of itself at that mm-hmm. point. Um, I like the cooking scenes. Like, when they're just taking these, like, they're turning these giant steaks over with these, like, yeah. show, snow shovel-sized spatulas, and yep. they're, like, cook. There's 100 people in the town, but they're cooking for 500. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Four, four beans, burn them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. They know how everybody in the town likes their meals. Sure. Uh, what do they say? The something... Uh, what what are they making? Where like four people roll in and they're like, oh, the something gangs here make like four yeah. beans, burn them or whatever. Right, right, right. They, they know exactly what they want. Uh, I what do you think of the scene where John Wayne calls out Liberty over the steak dropping incident? Oh, I loved it. I thought it was so fucking cool because yeah. it's building up like this this big tension between because you could tell they've never met in the film, but John Wayne's like, oh yeah, Liberty Valence, he's the toughest man south of the picket line. Except for me. Mm-hmm. And like the whole, you got all this tension, and now it's like, okay, Liberty Valance is coming to town, and now he's in the, the place, and now John Wayne comes in. But he's not going to go up and step to him. He's right. going to post up. And then the guy starts in on Jimmy Stewart, knocks him to the ground, and then you see John Wayne looming behind him. Well, that's my that was my stake there, Liberty. <laughs> and it's just he wants you to pick it up. Yeah. And then, and the, then he kicks a guy in the face who's going to pick it up. And yeah. Then, yeah, he's yeah. like, no, nah, I want him to do it. And Jimmy Stewart finally gets just so fed up. He's like, there, it's picked up. And he slams on the plate. You got to shoot a man for not picking up a steak. It's 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 hilarious, man. And, no, it's yeah, not hilarious. It's, it's also it's a it's, great scene. I mean, the way that they set it up, too. Like, I, I, I thought my head was going to explode. I was so happy just at seeing everyone do their thing. Like Lee Marvin, a, a fairly young Lee yeah. Marvin, a fairly old Jimmy Stewart and John Wayne. Mm-hmm. Which is another thing I want to talk about. Um, I guess it was a thing in Hollywood that, like, even if you've aged out of the role, no one gave a shit. Like, you're still yeah. going to be playing a 30-something tough cowboy. And, like, they, right. they they had this one guy that they kept on referring to as a child. Right, who looked like to be, 39. like, 40. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he did not look like a kid. I... I want to say that was a joke, just about his demeanor. Well, I don't know, or if it was like one of those things where, like in Shakespeare's time, all the women parts were played by men, and everyone just understood that, oh, he's wearing a dress, so this right. is the woman. Yeah. I wonder if it's like, well, he had, you know, blonde curls and like this like crazy bow bib, you know, bow tie bib thing. He's a child. Yeah. Uh, and this guy's this, and he's like this thirty-five year old is the college kid. And and like Jimmy Stewart, right? You're either seven or you're fifty. Yeah, and like Jimmy an Stewart's supposed to be a young man. Like you know, he's what in his sixties, seventies at the end of the movie, and he's supposed to be in his twenties or thirties. And he's they just they didn't even bother to completely hide the gray. It's like they just kind of like worked a little bit of uh, graphite through his hair. Yeah, it's still. I mean, he still looks like he's forty five, fifty. Um, I don't know, man. It's sure. like it's it's funny. It's mm-hmm. funny because I don't feel like you see that, and sometimes when you do, like I feel like people call it out. Uh, yeah, I I don't. So a lot of those things I just let slide because it's an old movie. Um, but I I don't know. I'm not judging it. I'm just thinking. I'm just wondering culturally what the deal is. Like, did everybody just like, well, John Wayne's fifty, but we're not done seeing him being this big strap. And I I also seen roles 
later on, like his uh, performance in True Grit. Uh, and I guess this other famous movie, Cowboy, which I just, just had all these great lines from it, that he kind of leans into, like, I'm an old, grizzled badass, but I'm still a badass. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, you know, I guess you'd call the like the, the Expendables. Okay. These guys are all clearly past their prime, but you still don't want any part of them. Right, right. Speaking of not wanting any part of someone, Liberty Valance. He's throughout this movie. He's seen as a terror of the town. Yeah, I have never understood why a town full of people are afraid of a single man. And you know, he's got his goons. He's got his gang with him, but his gang seems to consist of two people. One of which is a fool. He's a la- yeah, he's a uh, lackwit completely. Yeah, and the other of which who could be intimidating. Sure. Um, I have no fucking clue why this town is afraid of this man. I mean, at at the very least, they have their own champion in Tom. Yeah. So, what the fuck? And then it comes to fruition with them killing Liberty Valance, and then it's over. Like, yeah. it's not like the gang, his entire gang of 16 people rides in and starts shooting up the place. It's just done. Liberty Valance was the problem. He's exterminated. Game over. I mean, it does seem like that's a fairly realistic depiction of... Because you've got this... The fiction is, like, the Wild West had all these famous gunslingers, right. and they, like, went down, and they, they drove one on each other, and, like, very rarely, it's essentially, did you have the wherewithal and the grit to kill a man? Sure. If you did, that puts you in pretty rarefied company, and they were rarely fair fights, with lots of shot in the back, and lots of, you know, uh, so to me... It'd be like if we had, you know, imagine if we had a small town of like 100 people and they're like guys like you and me. Like we don't like to fight. We don't want to shoot. And you have one asshole with a gun who gets liquored up and might kill a person every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And you don't have a sheriff. You can't lock him up. Do you think like a town of 50 just mounts up and hangs him? Like maybe they do. Maybe they don't. But I imagine there's a lot of yeah. people who are like, Jesus Christ, what do we do about this Liberty Valence guy? Right. He's robbing our stagecoaches and we don't have a sheriff and... Like, and I guess all of these movies could be seen as the turning point where the yeah. town does finally say enough is enough, right? Yeah, essentially. Like, that's kind of how it always goes down. So yeah, that's the trope. Right. Uh, but usually it takes one brave man to... Sure. To either, either an outsider who walks into town and saves them from their own fate, or, you know, a... a an insider who was reluctant to get too mixed up in it. And this is essentially it, only with the twist. Right. It is the strong outsider with this strong moral code who doesn't want to shoot anybody. Yeah. And he even even he thinks he's done the deed, but turns out nope, it's it's uh Tom. Old yeah. Tom. And and it's interesting because that is not as clear cut as it is in a lot of these Western films, I feel. Like I haven't seen a ton of these these types of movies in this genre. Yeah, I'm not gonna act like I have either. I've seen a lot of the okay. modern westerns. Right, right. But they in as much as these are romanticized, I mm-hmm. think those might be even more so. Sure. Just like a little more black and white. Like there's literally <laughs> no pun right, no pun intended. Um this is very much like this law this law and order versus essentially liberty, right? I mean the fucker's name is Liberty. Yeah. There there's no way you can confuse this lifestyle, this Western law sort of thing. Um, and say that it's not mixed up here with Liberty and Tom. I mean, yeah. it's interesting because Tom is a character that I feel is kind of stuck in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Jimmy Stewart on one side, Law and Order. Which his Liberty. name? Let's let's say it, his name is Ransom Stoddard, right. which is a bad, which is a badass name, and also is almost messianic. 
When I hear like you know the ransom, ransom. Okay. Yeah. yeah, he's buying buying yeah. the freedom at the cost of his arm or his own life, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> perhaps. Uh, and then there's Liberty, who I think represents you know the pure Western law. Yeah, the the outlaw, the the just pure liberty, like yeah. no laws on me whatsoever. It's it's um it's anarchy, right? Which is, I guess, is the purest liberty one can find. Personally, yeah, yeah, I would say so. Um, and then there's Tom, who's stuck in the middle. Tom Dolphin, Dol- Dolphin, <laughs> yes, uh, stuck in the middle between these two, and he's kind of the catalyst for the change from. Pure liberty to law and order. Yes. Um, in as much as he kills liberty, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> like, yeah. this is a man who who has founded his life on on this type of liberty. Not not in the exact same way as Liberty Valance, but in a very similar way, right? He still subscribes to a man solves his own problems out here. You need to carry a gun because you probably need to use it. And he's the only is the only thing is that he's a good man. He is. Yeah. And he's and, not looking for trouble. And Ransom, Jimmy Stewart's trying to put in, in a place where bad men can get in power and there's a mechanism to remove them. Whereas right. this it's just might makes right. So you are fortunate to live under the shadow of John Wayne, mm-hmm. but if you he something happens and Lee Marvin holds sway, and then what are you gonna do? Right. And like and I I love that like Jimmy Stewart says at this one point, um, you know, when when uh, Liberty comes in and tries to shut down a democratic process, like he's gonna intimidate yeah. these uh settlers into not voting in their best interest. And he says when for- when force threatens, words are no good anymore. And I thought that's interesting because it's weird. It's not weird, it's interesting to me how our modern society works and that um, the powerful have ostensibly given up the right of might and and to the rule of law, and that's the only thing that allows equality to flourish. Like, it's essentially a, a pact that we've all made with ourselves, that we're going to respect each other as individuals. Right. But it's it's all like a social fiction, right? Like, well, there could be yeah, a warlord sure. that could take over the United States, and what would you do? What would you and I do to stop him? Uh, hey, that's nothing, not right. right. And I think in a yeah. larger context, we do still have this idea of might makes right. I mean, look at our military. Well, yes, Cer- certainly. Sure, uh, on, but it's just on a more macro level. And also, there's an a part. There's a cynical part of me is like, well, the the rich and powerful have actually sold us this fiction up the river because they're still right. they're printing the legend. It's like we're not living like, oh yes, it's all equal, but we're not really. Right, like if you right. have money and influence, you, the political system's different, the judicial system's different, the laws literally are different, and the mm-hmm. way you can escape those laws and 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 where you choose to live. So it's like, but you know, for your day in day in out meat and potatoes politics and living, the fiction's nice. Sure, it's flowing yeah, no, in a I, direction of more I, I liberty it, for everyone. Right, and I think it does. You know, there's a lot mixed up in both education here. Um, and and civilization yeah. of of communities and I, Jimmy Stewart clearly represents that that path forward yeah. and and there's a scene in which you know we we flash back it's supposed to be the big twist I saw it coming a thousand miles away like mm-hmm. uh, where Liberty Valance is actually killed by Tom uh, John they Lane. actually fooled me I expected the twist to come but when they filmed it just matter of fact like oh really <laughs> I'm like holy fuck I guess Jim, James like that guy just misunderestimated him or it's a one in a million shot or yeah 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 it's like wow huh and then when they did the whole you know, here's how it really went down Pilgrim I'm like oh okay yeah, yeah of course 
because uh, otherwise it doesn't make any sense for him to go running off and burn out his house. Like, <laughs> uh, unless he he really thinks that well, I Jimmy Stewart I, won the day. That's what I'm saying. Now. I interpreted that as like this Jimmy Stewart is so impressive, and he sees <laughs> okay. Uh, what's her name? Hildy? Hallie? Hallie? Yeah. I when think. he sees Hallie like go fawn over him and like be so concerned, he realizes like, oh, this world is not the world where I can woo a, a woman like this impressive woman. And now she's educated. Right. Well, he now does see his like, world changing, and it's, yeah. it's more like now this when, woman can read. So right, I can't compete with that. And so when he goes to burn his house down, I think I don't know. There's a lot mixed up in John Ford's career here that I want to talk about too. But I think what he's also feeling is not only the loss of Hallie, but also the loss of his way of life. I, I think once he realizes that liberty is dead, quote unquote. I mean, yeah. it's so fucking obvious. It's literally a character's name. Uh, that he's now in in you know unequivocally changed his life yeah. and, and the the path forward for all people like him right yeah there is no more at least for this community there is no more liberty there is no more uh of that kind of freedom it's now all down to law and order uh-huh. and so it's it's real tragic in a couple of ways both him losing hallie which mm-hmm. you know I, I don't i don't know that he was right for her anyway um, but it's also tragic in that he's kind of destroyed his own way of life, something he, yeah. held, he held dear. But that's kind of um, – so that the one – the man who made the real heroic sacrifice is uh, John Wayne because – Yeah, I that's, think so. That's why I was getting with this fiction. It's like it seems like what you need is for the strong and the well-armed or the powerful to like voluntarily like, okay, we could keep running this unilaterally but we see the wisdom of this democracy thing and we're going to let this like he threw his weight behind the side that's going to because you know tom could have ruled this thing like a pirate king if he wanted to Mm -hmm. benevolently even yeah uh but he sees the wisdom of like okay well you know my way uh you know what's god damn what's her name i want to hallie hallie yeah she's she's gonna learn how to read and so will her children and like i want these good things for these people i care about and my way won't get that so it's kind of yeah i mean uh, jimmy stewart's character ransom stoddard is willing to make the heroic sacrifice but he's actually not required to do so yeah and i thought that was interesting it's it's heroic in a different way that you're used to seeing john wayne be yeah, it's, but it also is so within the John Wayne character to be the silent, yes. strong type, uh, right? The martyr. Like, he's so right. He's so silent. He won't even say who actually killed Liberty Valance. Um, he doesn't want any of the credit for it. He just did what needed to be done. Yeah, uh, and that that fits right along with what I think of John Wayne's characters. Yeah. Uh, also, now that now that we're talking about Law and Order in the form of Jimmy Stewart, th- it's interesting. I feel like there's a a message in here about fear being a powerful motivator against idealism, like mm-hmm. a powerful force against idealism, because Certainly law and order is. man rides into town and he's like, this is bullshit. We're not going to, mm-hmm. I'm not going to put up with the stagecoach asshole, mm-hmm. um, Liberty Valance. And then as soon as he realizes Liberty Valance is riding into town, he picks up a gun. Yeah. And he goes and he goes into the wilderness and he practices shooting. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's almost, you know him giving in to to the western law but that's the thing like that's the i guess that's the that's the conservative the absolute conservative retort to liberalism 
Like, uh-huh. if you confront someone who's truly a bad guy, they're not going to see the error of their ways and right. be like, oh, excuse me, sir. Eventually, that's, I guess, the problem I have with absolute pacifism, too. Yeah. Like, we don't live in a world where there are no bad people who won't wreck the very system that we cherish. And that system right. has to be defended. But it does also require the as... idealists, right? Yes. It, it requires all strikes, yes. I think. Idealists, realists. trying to get... A, that, I guess that's my worldview these last few years, is that it takes all types. Right. And there, there's a season for almost every type of person. We're living in a season now where we don't need the rough-and-tumble John Waynes as much as we need mm-hmm. the thoughtful Ransom Stoddards. Yeah. But there could come a day where, you know, John Wayne is going to look awful, awful nice. Sure. You know, having yeah. some dude with boulders. I mean, fist Fallout the size 4 of boulders. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Or World War Three, uh-huh. or something like that. You're going to need uh, people to kick ass or yeah. else you risk losing everything. Everything. You, you could roll back progress a thousand years in a right. decade if you don't watch out. Right. But on the other hand, John Wayne's also the type of guy that might get you into World War Three. So you gotta it's it's like this this human machine is this delicate thing that you can't have too much of one I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah, and this film especially, so I hear that John Ford's other stuff, you know, he's he, so A, I'm not sure why when we talk about movies we talk more about the director um and giving them credit for the film, whereas in television you and I seem to talk much more about the writers. Uh, John Ford did not write this movie. John Ford did not write the story this movie is based on. I don't know why John Ford gets all the credit for this film, but he does. Um, so, well, because it's a singular vision. Like, if you had, uh, you know, it was a big deal in True Detective. You had one guy who's the writer and one guy's the director. And, right. like, they had to uneasily share this kind of genius crown for that season. Right, but th- even there, like, Nick Pizzolatto gets way more credit than Kerry Fukunawa did. I guess. For for the story of the thing. And the story doesn't have anything to do with the director. I, I know whatever. what you This is definitely, yeah. the credit is given to John Ford for this film. Sure. You know, Willis, what's his fuck? I don't even know his name. No one does. And mm-hmm. some other guy mm-hmm. uh, both had their hands in writing this. And, uh... So, so this is seen as kind of the culmination, the magnum opus for John Ford's Western the giant genre penguin, yep. career. Um, giant penguin. I'm making a Bloom County, Berkeley breathed joke. Okay, it's, and I, if you're 35 to 45, you probably think it's funny. <laughs> else, you're like, what the fuck is he talking about? Uh, so this is like the capper, right? And uh-huh. it, it takes everything that John Ford has created in the Western genre over the, his X number of Western films, sure. especially the ones with John Wayne, uh, and it kind of says. It's almost a lamenting of the legend, the death of the legend. Mm-hmm. Like in a lot of ways, this kind of feels like him waving goodbye to to the genre. Uh-huh. It feels very satisfying as a conclusion to to his art. Is this the last? Career. Is this the last? His last collaboration with John Wayne? I think so. Is yeah. it his last well, film? No, it's not actually his last film. He made films up until like sixty seven or something. So pretty close because this was pretty like close, five yeah. years before then. Right, and I think I'm almost positive this is his last western western hmm. so you know that's the other thing is that in the early goings of this film i'm looking and i'm like god damn how much of current day america is shaped by our past yeah like you know you look at this rancher thing that happened late last year with the you know the the bun the, the clive bundies and all that stuff and yeah. you look at the debate about guns and like the culture of independence versus handouts and you know, free stuff, and and it's like, man, so much of what makes America America is in the bones of both 
there's this weird, you know, like you can see the Puritan, the Puritan streak. You can yeah. see this Western, like idealized reliance on the individual. Uh, and it's almost in the land itself. Yeah. Too. Like the, just the pure geography of it. Well, it's right? like when we were talking to that one Brit on Better Call Saul last week, and he's right. questioning whether you could set up a caper on some abandoned road in the West. I'm like, holy fucking shit. <laughs> the yes. West is huge. Yes. The West is like, bigger than the country you come from. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, it is. You're right. Like, And there are less people. Yeah. There. It's. It is. I. Man, I. It's. This, America is such a big idea you can't really grab uh, right. your arms around it. But when I was watching this movie, I'm like, man, a lot of the stuff that we are holding dear today is stuff that was, you know, going out of fashion 140 years ago. Yeah. You know, because that's still what we wrap up our identity. And I wonder uh, how much the, like, the, the the Western, you know, glorification, like, what, how, how much of that, like, if would this all kind of died out culture if we didn't glamorize it? It's a good question. I mean, it also it, makes me wonder you know, since printing, like it's, it seems to be the thing in the last thirty years or so to glamorize like crime and warfare. Sure. Like yeah. what society are we now building for the next thirty, forty years? Like what what in my son's forty and he's having a high and philosophical conversations with his friends, will they look back and be like, Gee, we you know, you look at Rambo three and, right. and so much of what we're doing now and is or Hurt Locker yeah, or like all these that, war yeah, movies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Even one that's not so glamorizing. It's right. still American kinda, sniper. Like, like all of this shit, right? Like yeah, like I wouldn't say the Hurt Locker glamorizes war. Sure. American sniper does. Does it? I uh, well, seen that I don't one. I don't know about war, but certainly a but that's what I'm saying, like I don't think it glamorizes war, but I did feel like, wow, that Hurt Locker guy, hell of a man. Yeah. Like, I'm not him, I don't understand him, but man, that is kind of like, it gave me the more masculine fuzzies. Yeah, so it is kind of glamorizing more. Absolutely, I think that's what John Ford is saying here. Like, this is not only the death of, you know, the the Old West law versus Mm -hmm. versus the new law. Mm -hmm. Um, This is the end of his career, this is the end of the genre, this is like... The printing he is printing the legend here right he's putting it on screen he's he's created the legend yeah uh in a lot of ways over the course of his career and now he's i i feel like giving way almost like like paving the path toward something a little more civilized hmm. uh I, I don't know his his message here is very complex and i don't totally get it because i don't have the context for it yeah and if you're like me you only saw it the one time but i again right. yes i i i'm i'm but as I'm a picking career, up what you're putting down because you're I, I right. think it's a masterpiece is what I'm trying to say. I think it for this man at this time. I think yes. it is a masterpiece. If like film. someone told me it's his finest film, I'd be like, I can see why you think that. Yeah. Um, without having seen any of his other works that I'm aware of, like that. Yeah. I mean, because you almost have an ingrained knowledge of just it, it hits all the culture. Of what a, what I think of as a western, yes. but it yeah. also has this moral and intellectual core that I was completely blown away with. And me was too. Not I was not expecting. Yeah. Same here. Uh, I want to talk about we can we can circle back to this, but I also want to talk about the actual filmmaking on display. Good because I have something because to talk about. That. I felt like that this was a fairly modern feeling in the way it was cut and assembled. Mm-hmm. Um, but the things that I noticed about it, like the, that, really struck me to my modern sensibility is the lighting. Like any interior scene yeah. is just so harshly and obviously stage lighted. Uh-huh. Like it's nothing natural about it, but then and I was actually writing like the the lighting in this movie is so terrible. 
and it's so fakey that it really brings me out of some of these moments. But then you got the scene of Stoddard, Ransom Stoddard confronting Liberty Valence, and it's a night shot, and it's gorgeous. Like, I don't know if it's on a stage. I don't know if they actually shot it at night. I don't know if it's a day to night. But it was utterly convincing moonlight stroll through this town where these guys are squaring off. And I'm like, well, fuck, fuck that whole paragraph. I'm not bagging to, uh, John Ford on his lighting because he killed right. it in this scene. No, he did. I, I like when he's like coming out of that shadow, like stand in the stand in the light here. And the yeah. way it, it hits Jimmy Stewart there. Yeah. Uh, I guess they just know, like in, inside they didn't give a shit about because I'm, I'm thinking of like uh, Hateful Eight, which say what you will. Like, if you told me that movie was only lit by the ambient things in that room, the torches and the fire, I would totally believe it because it was rock solid. Yeah. Rock solid is believability. Better call, uh, call Saul, same way. When you're in Chuck's sanctum it and it's yeah. there's no electric lighting, like, I believe that it's 100% lit natural ambient lighting versus the artificial artificiality of the indoor lighting here. Yeah, it's, it's, like, seemed- it's absurd. Like, you know, it's like uh, at one point the journalist blows out a candle – and like the room like goes instantly like stage dark yeah like yeah. it's like oh my this, I I'm literally watching a play sure uh and and that scene where Liberty Valance calls out Jimmy Stewart calls out Rance uh, yeah. tells him to come out of the shadow it's like he's literally saying stop hiding behind your law and order mm-hmm. come out of here and face me which like, is kind of a cowardly thing to do like what do you mean. I can't beat you at what you're playing at, so I want you to come play in the streets of my rules so I can just kill you. You know, like... Right, but also, from the other side, it's equally as cowardly, right? I guess. I mean, I, I feel like it's it's a better path forward, the law and order thing, but, but it's like, he's also not playing Liberty's game. Yeah, I know. I guess that's true, because it's like... Whereas if he said that to John Wayne, to Tom, Tom would have come out there and blown him away. Sure. But then, you know, Tom might be tried for murder because he's not a lawyer. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's, right. it's, we're, I mean, that's the thing. Like, if the law in the jungle you prize as might makes right, you know? And, like, if you're playing any other game, even if it's effective and wins, well, you can always trump it with the gun or the muscle or the sphere or the arrow, whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, J- J- James or uh, Ransom Stoddard is playing a rule that requires the people with guns to be like, okay, yeah, I agree, your way's better. Sure. Yeah, because he doesn't have the defense. Fortunately, it seems like humans don't like killing each other, so that seems to be the consistent play. We back the back the back the play that leads to less of us killing each other. That, that's good in my book. Yep. Uh, the other thing with lighting is I noticed that Liberty Valance. There's only one scene in which Liberty Valance shows up during the daytime, right? Like the 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 Western which is law, the stagecoach ambush, isn't it? That's broad daylight. Oh, maybe that was because I thought that was why it was so shocking. Okay, there are two scenes, maybe, or maybe it was a nighttime. I uh, it was dead. I it's hard to tell sometimes because yeah. they do that stage lighting thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was all, all shot like on stages. Like it's it's striking that you don't see a lot of there's no location western terrain in the west here right huh. like in a western film i'm not I, i'm not sure if that's true or not like i i well it's, bought... it's largely shot on stage i don't know if there's no sure n- no offstage shots here but like the only time you really see any western terrain at all is when you go to tom's house right like yeah. his ranch yeah um which could be in the hills of california as far as we can right right but 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 it's strange in a in a film that is in a genre yeah. where that that landscape largely dominates the visual aesthetic of it mm-hmm. that that is not found here and it's and it's no coincidence I think that 
this movie about law and order uh-huh. is shot mostly from the perspective of the town. Okay. Um, the other thing they do with with night versus day is I didn't even yeah you're, that's that's interesting because it is a real dichotomy like you've got everything set in town except for, and then you go out to Tom who is of a piece of Liberty Valence he has got this little shack right. on the range and he's kind of you know he's a nicer guy but he's the same kind of guy yeah yeah like I I like him and I feel like he's more but I also thought they did a good job of showing that he's kind of a bully too oh a yeah a little bit of an oafish bully. And and sexist and like he's oh, yeah. he's all those things right, um, yeah. but he's just he has a the proverbial heart of gold. Yes, uh, for the most part, <laughs> indeed. But the, I don't know if this is just an aesthetic choice or if it's thematic. But Liberty Valance almost doesn't show up in the day, and the one time where I know for a fact he does show up during the day is the town meeting where they're uh, nominating yeah. representatives. Hilariously wants to be nominated by the townsfolk, right, and intimidates his way into getting. On the list, mm-hmm. if not the nomination, Robert's Rules of Order does not does not de- de- deal with a uh, drunk Lee Marvin staggering in with his gun, demanding to be put on the ballot. Nope. Uh, <laughs> but but it's interesting here because this is the one time where Liberty Liberty Valance doesn't just run roughshod over this community. No, he gets cowed. He yeah. tries to, but yeah, he's cowed by the the townspeople, the yeah. mass of he townspeople. Can, he can here. see like, oh shit, there's like a hundred of them. Even if I I got right. six shots in his gun. My then, buddies have six more. And, and they probably theirs. can only hit like one out of three. Uh, yeah, no, it it was. Uh, I I did like that. Yeah, so it seems to be you know illuminating this path forward. I I think there's a very clear like law and order is a good progressive thing to do. Yeah. Um, throughout this movie, and it's it's reflected in both the both the. Uh, thematic and aesthetic choices in the film, and that's the other thing. Like you know, when we're talking about the, all these um, you know philoso- philosophies and politics, like I do recognize that it's not like the King of England saw the wisdom of abdicating his power. Like, yeah, you're right. I'll sign the Magna Carta. Like that was a process where the, yeah, the collective <laughs> people and and the the you know the more powerful lords forced his hand into that. It's not like he. With some philosopher king that's like, yeah, this is it's clearly what's right. I want this to say in the history books, and I'm the one that signed. No, like it's that's the thing. Like, yeah, that you do have the powerful few, but there's a ton of the people that are powerless, and if they ever get so pissed off, I mean, just seize the humanity. Yeah, I mean, this is every revolution that you can think of. Right. Yeah. But there's that, like that's the problem with the the. It is that breaking point, attitude. though. You got to get people pissed off. Right. Or threatened enough where you know the the fa- that the fear and pain of change is less than that of like well shit if we just stay here and you know I've done the math I ain't gonna make it out of here alive or my kids are gonna have a worse life it's that kind of stuff that right that, that, it didn't engender genuine change uh, and I'm not trying to make a value judgment on any of the messages in this film like I don't want to necessarily say what I think about them. I'm trying to figure out what the movie and John yeah. Ford and the writers are trying to say about them. I'm uh, anti-gunslinger. I don't really okay. want... You're, I know I, you're I anti-vigilante don't, justice. I don't want, so I don't want renegade vigilantes you know, yeah. dispensing rough justice as they see fit. Right. Even if it right. is John Wayne. Uh, it, it's interesting because like, I, I want to talk a little bit about the legend stuff. Like At, at the end, when you know Jim Stewart has sewn it all up and they're they're riding back on the train through the valley where they see all the flowers from the dammed up river Mm -hmm. uh the railroad has come through it's made everyone's life better and and you know tellingly the modern day version of shinbone is (laughs) 
which is a ridiculous name, it's I know. That's a great name for a western town. <laughs> it is. Is is just this gleaming white, very bright place, right? Mm-hmm. Like everything it's a utopia almost. Mm-hmm. Um so whatever Jimmy Stewart did has worked. Rance has has brought prosperity to this community. Um mm-hmm. But he did it on the back of a legend that he himself despises. Yep. Right? Um there's this idea like He's leveraging this this legend of the man who shot Liberty Valance into a career, and it bugs him when people point it out. And it surprised me in the, in the town, I, I guess the territory meeting, the second not round of nominations, where um, he's ready to give it up because he doesn't want to be known as this guy who shot Liberty Valance, and he doesn't mm-hmm. want to ride that to success right? Um, and a political career. And then John Wayne comes in, talks to him, and, and says, hey, I killed him. Apparently absolving his conscience entirely, which I don't understand. I don't know. So Isn't I there think... an intent in shooting your gun at someone, at pulling the trigger? Even if you aren't the man who pulled the trigger no, no, on right. the gun that killed Liberty Valance, you should feel some responsibility. Which is why this is a complex and interesting word. Yes. But I think what carried the day is what John Wayne said later on, which is, you taught her, Hallie, to read and write. Now give her something to read and write about. It's like... right. If you give up now because your moral code has been impugned, and what the hell has any of this been for? Why did I shoot that man? Why did I prop you up? Why did Hallie learn to read? Why did any of this? Why yeah. is any of this pro? You're going to let all this stand in the way? That's interesting because, like you know, so often the original sin, like I've seen it in The Wire, where you had the Carsetti. Littlefinger, where it's like he started off idealistic, but he had this one flaw or this one compromise that led to his complete downfall. And it's kind of the same way with Show Me a Hero. Show Me a Hero. But this movie is almost like, nah, the original sin is what what you need. Mm -hmm. And maybe maybe in the Wild West you did. Right. And it's, it's, you know, it is more complex than than just idealism wins the day. Mm -hmm. I mean, it takes all stripes, like we said. It it took the combination of John Wayne willing to pull the trigger and Rance, uh, you know, being uh, strident in his his law and order message. I, I do feel like that it was the movie, the wheels came a little off when that orator was having such an effect on uh, Ransom. Because, like, I'm like... Right, I... You know, it's like, are you did did you feel bad when Liberty's men were saying that you killed him in cold blood? Fuck no. It's like clearly you personally like, no. <laughs> I mean, it's like yeah, like if a man intended to kill, like if I shoot a man who's intent on killing me, I don't feel bad. I don't feel like I murdered him, even in today's modern society. Right. Like I never go out strapped, but if I did, and some guy came out with a gun and tried to hurt me or my family, and I shot him, I think I'd sleep fine that night. Yeah, and you know, I'm so far removed from that reality. Like I've I I can't imagine a scenario in which I will have to defend myself yeah. uh with with uh murder. Yeah. With with in that kind of self defense sort of way, but like Sure. It, so it's easy for me to say sitting here in a air conditioned podcast studio. And I've talked to a lot of people who'd be like, even if someone right. threatened me, I still wouldn't defend myself and I'm like, I don't know. You don't know that. And I don't know that I would like, you know, kill a person without any second thought if it was to save my life like no one does yeah but i'm with you with the wheels coming off a slight bit i think that's the only flaw i see in this movie is how gray it gets i I mean 
I, I like the gray in some areas. This is the one area with him actually pulling the trigger, trying uh-huh. to kill Liberty Valance. Uh-huh. I feel like this is the one gray area that doesn't quite work for me. It's a little bit too, a little bit less idealistic than I wanted that character to be. Yeah, but there's also on the like, other hand, it, I, I would have liked it better if he refused to pull the trigger and Liberty Valance shot from the other side of the street, saving him. You mean Tom? Or, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Tom shot. So Liberty then everybody Valance. knows Tom shoots him. Is the one that shot? Him? Well, no, nobody else is out in the street, and and he comes ah. back, and they assume that that Rance won the day and must have shot him, and like, hmm. like how does some, that how does that actually change the basic? Because, because then he the doesn't thing. compromise his principles, right? He doesn't he doesn't forsake law and order to preserve his own life. I know it's 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 very much a Batman the Dark Knight thing where. You're selling the public on a lie yeah. that is a pr- path to progress forward rather than the truth. And I don't... That's... Right. That's, that just doesn't sit yeah. perfectly with me. I, because the thing is, if Tom is the one that kills the Liberty Valence, nothing changes. It still might makes right. Whereas this, the lawyer who right. tried, uh, you know, picked up the stake and did all this shit-eating and, and tried to do the right thing and tried to educate people, you know, he had to defend himself and then, you know, Might got crumpled by, I guess, reasonableness. I mean, ultimately, but Might yeah. did make right. It's, it's Liberty, Liberty they, Valance won that fight in, in so much you're that right. Philosophically. he forced, right, that he forced Rance into killing him. Uh, that doesn't quite sit right with me, even though it's part of what makes it a complex story that, mm-hmm. that is worth talking about and considering. So. It's almost been interesting because, um, you know, the town we live in, Cincinnati, is, is uh, named after Cincinnatus, who's right. a famous uh, Roman general who came back after war and then uh, handed his authority back over to the Senate or whatever and became a farmer again. Sure. Much in the same way George Washington's like, okay, two terms of president, don't want to be another king, peace out. Like the Patriot. Yeah, like he's like, it's it almost interesting if, if John Wayne was a Cincinnatus, where it's like, I now right. could, I could now rule this territory, and I could rule the ranchers, and I could be the most powerful person, but I'm choosing to step down to let this man, who is the man we need to lead us forward, like yeah. if, if they just, but then it's not, I don't know, that does that, did that, would that feel unrealistic or Pollyanna? It's a different story. And I, but, and that's the other thing, is like, I never got, I wish that there was something like in my head. I say that Jim Jimmy Stewart was more bothered by his character's hypocrisy, sure, than absolutely. he was about killing the man. Yes, but the way the orator was working, it made him seem more like he was guilty for the actual act of murder that he thought he was. And 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 yeah, and at, at the John moment, Wayne absolving him, like you said, you're, you're right. You're right. Um, in that moment, certainly, I think when he becomes more guilty about the legend that the false that, legend is later, by the time in the, the, the yeah. movie ends, where he's like anything for the man is shot, that's where right. the hypocrisy of it starts to bother him. Yeah, um, and I wish there was a way that they could have brought maybe a little bit more dialogue between him and John Wayne. Um, I do, I do, I, I was totally unprepared for the cigarette smoke dissolve into the flashback. That was fucking cool. Cigarette smoke. But John John Wayne like took a big pull of a cigarette. Like, let me tell you how it went down, Pilgrim, and he blew it at the camera, and then it kind of dissolved into that night. You remember that? Oh, oh, the flashback to shooting yes. Liberty Valance. I thought okay. that was a really there cool, were two flashbacks. Really cool old timey uh, uh, yeah. dissolve or wipe or whatever you call it. I thought that was pretty awesome. Right. I wonder how many times cigarette or pipe smoke has dissolved to train steam. <laughs> 
train engine steam. It's a gimme, right? Right. Uh, the other thing about the – around the same point I had in my notes is that um, I thought the night where uh, John Wayne goes back to his home before he burns it, he's staggering around his cabin with his lantern. I thought that was, like, exceptionally well lit. Yeah. In contrast to most of the other inter- interior scenes. <laughs> um, I don't know. Did I – I didn't want to derail you, but I didn't want to forget to mention no, those two things as well. I think that was all I had going. I mean, it looks like – Success was achieved. The river was dammed up. Flowers grew. The other thing we haven't talked about is the... Because that's why I say this is such a great civics lesson. is Because it also stresses the importance of journalism and a free press. Mm -hmm. But also weirdly plays with it, too. Because this guy's a drunk... And like at, he's he's shown as this like principled guy against the ranchers, but he's also letting the town folk buy him drinks, and he's like, "Yeah, I'll print whatever good thing." Right, like, you'll be also, a legend. Uh, you'll go down in infamy, or whatever. Yeah, it's or kind in- of like a cautionary tale about <laughs> the corrupting influence of big alcohol on journalism, like big money. Right. Um, you Does know, it say anything about like the way that? The editor is like, oh, yeah, I'll link, sure, Apple Yard, I'll write you into history. You'll be the most feared marshal in all the West. Uh-huh. Uh, does that say anything about, like, the legend itself of of these kind of marshals, like, you know, the Doc Holiday type sure. guys who we see as, as heroes and guys who were out there thwarting bad guys, but maybe they weren't. That's the thing. Maybe like- they just bought the right newspaper man a drink. Sure. Uh, no, if you do research on all the famous gunslingers, like there's equal amounts of people to say like, and, and whether they, you know, you had a guy who's a sheriff or a marshal in one territory and he's a wanted man in another, <laughs> like, okay. you know, it's like it, it, it really was this very gray area of lawlessness and you know, what was a fair fight and what wasn't a fair fight. And mm-hmm. like, I, if I'm out to kill a man, the last thing I want to do is give him a fair fight. Sure. Yeah, I don't want to you know, duel in the streets. Like I want to shoot him in the back. Sure. Like you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, if you're shooting a man, I assume that you got good reasons for it. So, and you want to win, what the fuck? Yeah. Um. I, I don't know. I thought that was interesting because if there's in modern society's biggest problem is our journalism sucks. Okay. Like the that's inter- a big problem. Like I was listening to this really fascinating Louis C.K. interview with Bill Simmons today, and he was talking about that uh, article that went around about him being broke after Horace and Pete. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I gave an interview with Howard fucking Stern where I was being self-deprecating and funny, and everybody knew that, and one fucking piece reported it, and by the time, like, two hours later, 50 pieces were reporting as fact and as a telephone game. He's like, how many calls do you think I got or my publicist got to verify. Zero. Zero. Yeah. Like, that is a fucking indict. That's journalism 101. Oh, this one. Uh, right. The Howard, the Howard Stern shows a source. Let me watch it. Yeah, you reach out for comment. Barring that, how about I call the publicist or Louie to get their perspective? It's like, and that's just, you know, that's that's a very minor example of where things go wrong in fucking pop culture journalism. But right. like in you know, tablet. it's I mean, it's you, you look at how many newspapers, like hundreds of local newspapers, are all owned by the same corporation now, mm-hmm. and like the state of television journalism, all that stuff. It's pretty fucking sorry, man. And that's like Ransom Stoddard never would have gotten his G- Jesus Christ Jimmy Stewart act going if it wasn't for the newspaper reporting facts like this asshole Liberty Valence is out killing people in the wilderness, right? Like that. No one was printing that because Liberty Valence would come and shoot your place up if you tried. Yeah. So, like, we don't have that, but we certainly have, uh, well, we're not going to get $500 million of advertising if we print this story. 
Or we're not going to get 500 million clicks. this story cause... makes our parent company look bad, so we need to bury it. And I get it that there's sure. supposed to be the separation between the journalist side and the marketing side, but I don't believe that for a fucking second. No. Especially when it comes to the TV shit. Right, right. Of course not. <laughs> you know... And it's like, you know, every time I see, like, you know, the, the political season, every time the reporters, the political analysts are covering the latest low, and they're like, how did it come to this? I'm like, well, you're talking about it. What if these guys, uh, you know, or guy and gal whipped their dicks out and went at each other, and you just like, okay, this is stupid. Nothing informative was said. No actual facts were employed. So we're not going to talk about it. Yeah. Tell that us would be when ideal. there's news, guys. Yeah, but I don't know, and I, I I don't know. I that's that's a larger subject. It's one honestly that is in this film. That's what I'm saying. I this just, film hits so many notes effortlessly, right. and and I haven't that part of it I didn't consider. Yeah. Um, you know, we have limited time to to think about this stuff, and I spent hours thinking about the politics and the ethics and all, uh, and basically the career of John Ford. I did a lot mm-hmm. of reading on that. Um. Unfortunately, I did not have time to go back and watch his entire catalog. No. But I would have liked to. I think I should at this point just no, to I see I'm, how great I'm, this film I, I'm, is. I'm going to make it a point to, like, every weekend pick one of the, the, the John Wayne uh, – I keep on saying Tom Ford. Very different yeah. Ford. John, John uh, Ford. John Ford collaborations and watch it. And I want to watch some of the others, like uh, Cowboy and The Shootist, which mm-hmm. is others, like, you know, classic John Wayne performances. Um, but, yeah, I – I was I was just, I was expecting to have a good time because I like old movies. When I saw it was black and white, I'm like, oh, this is cool. Um, <laughs> okay, I, I did, was coming in it from the opposite perspective, yeah. uh, but was swayed by it for sure. That's cool. I, I I like that because like I was in I was in for like a Saturday matinee western, and then like in the midpoint in the movie when it became this, you know, Mister Smith goes to Washington, or I guess it goes to Chinbone. <laughs> Uh, like I, again, I, I kept like, man, this is such a great time to see this movie too, because it's right in the middle of the political s- scene. And it's like all this stuff about why this is important and why the people have to. Right. That, that's an important topic to touch on. I think given the fact that I was so negative on Zulu, um, recently we did a commission podcast for Zulu and I mm. came down on it thinking this is an, a dated movie that kind of, it, that doesn't resonate with me on any level. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like that's because the reason I judge that so much differently than this is because this movie, who shot, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, has more of an everyday uh, directive for people, right? It, ha- it has more relevance to actual people's real lives. Unless you're, you were in the military or you know someone who very close to you who's in the military or was, you don't – like those those themes of like – you know, not not just war is hell, but also like where is the honor in war? Mm-hmm. Um, how much honor is there in war? That those sort of themes don't pertain to everyday life of the citizens in America. Yeah. Whereas these political and and journalistic ideas definitely do, mm-hmm. and that's why it interests me a lot more when I see. Oh, okay, Zulu's doing this thing with the military, and it, who's a hero and who isn't, like. All this kind of stuff, it doesn't interest me that much, whereas mm-hmm. this does. Yeah, um, I can definitely see see your point there. Uh, Plus, there were no like really terrible battle scenes. I mean, there there are like 
a lot of scenes where you see John Wayne flipping his gun around and shooting what's clearly into like the air, uh-huh. and then it hits a paint can, right? Yeah. Somehow, and yeah. then like because he's John fucking Wayne, that's how. Right, like you see this this bad he like taught stunt Angelina work. Jolie out of bin bullets, <laughs> right? <laughs> Bouncing her on his knee, pilgr- uh, but it, yeah. but it's less obvious here, and it's less prevalent. So and it's I not mean, the point. Like you right, know, it's like you, the you not have to move. You know, like I said, I don't. God, I feel like I got to drag out Zulu and defend it again. But um, you know, there, there's, I watched Zulu and enjoyed it for the performances and the art. Whereas this, um, you know, I felt like it was effortlessly entertaining, even as old as it was. Because some of that shit, it's just like Three Stooges is still funny, right? Yeah. Um, uh, and and this marshal, this town marshal, is super funny. Like, uh, and and even and that's the, the, thing. the small town, the politics. Like when they are trying to nominate this journalist, and he's just desperate for a drink, but uh-huh, he can't the drink because the bar's closed. And he's day. like, oh, just beer. Beer's <laughs> not drinking. <laughs> right. And John Wayne's trying to pound the, the thing to order, and he's smashing a journalist hat because it's there. Uh-huh. And he's got this giant bung starter or whatever. It's uh, that shit's great. funny. And it it is it completely co inhabits the other lofty ideals um, without it mean being a drag or, or whatnot. Yeah, and I, and without losing the very serious nature of the topics too. It's strange. Somehow. I wonder what contemporary audiences made of it. Like I don't know because that's the thing. Like uh, I read a review from nineteen seventy something. I feel like nowadays everyone is always up a film's ass about its message. Like even something like Zootopia, everybody's like, "Is this message good? Is this message stupid? It's got a message. It's a you know, it's it's a fucking movie about animated animals." But yes, it does have a message. But that's like right. the, almost the the thing that that was the thing that preceded the film into the room. This message and what we all thought about it, and whether it goes too far or not far enough. Yeah. Whereas this, it's like I felt like this is very much a popcorn movie, where you know, fun for all ages and whatnot. And yet, it does in a lot of like ways. you know when in in contemporary movie reviews where people like bitching about the politics of it, and... right? Well, I, so I that's why I came into this saying, look, I don't want to say where I stand on these things. Uh-huh. I just want to discuss the ideas that the film brings up. Yeah, because uh, ultimately that's for everybody to debate internally. Like, why do I feel the way I feel about mm-hmm. these themes? Um, and that we're not here to sway you on what you should or shouldn't think. Yeah. Uh, I think we're here to point out the topics and let you decide. And that's for yourself, the other thing is so. like I found like I feel like both a conservative and a liberal would come into this movie and be like I feel like this is what America should be about, right? You know yeah. what I mean? Like every, it does walk no, a line. It does walk this line. It's like it's it's talking about these general ideas that we can all agree on. You know, unless you right. do want to be, unless you really want to return to frontier justice. Yeah, unless you're Liberty Valance. Yeah. Um, most Americans of any political stripe would be like, hell yeah, this is, you know, like some might laugh up at sleeve about the Jimmy teaching the town how to read scene, and others might, yeah. you know, I, I don't know. And but I think I, as a capstone for John Ford's Western genre, his yeah. career in that, I think it works so perfectly because it almost feels like a passing of the torch to the people who are going to make these types of movies later on. And at the same time, uh, lamenting of the loss of these ideals in, yep. in some way, right? I mean, the loss of these legends, whether they were real or not. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. is like, you know, guy like, when my grandfather dies, it's something my cousins and I have talked about. It's like, are there going to ever be characters like him again? 
freeze his brain, get his brain. You know, like I guess there are because there's always there's there's always interesting, bizarre weirdos that are. But you know, like he's of that content. Like he's I'm I probably in as much as you are the some of your experiences. Yeah, right. Yeah, there yeah. can't be someone like him again. No, but it's interesting because like you know you can mourn. Like I, you can mourn the passage of the Madman era because there was a certain amount of cool to that by and still acknowledge all the bullshit and problems right, with right. it as well. Yeah, like there was certain like uh, I think it would be super fun to get drunk in the afternoon with my workmates. And, Wait, well, we're keeping that tradition alive. That's here. what I'm saying. We're yeah. bringing it back, baby. <laughs> like don't throw out. The, we're just losing the other baggage. Yeah, <laughs> don't throw out the bourbon with the bathwater. I mean, yeah, like <laughs> it would be gin, wouldn't it? Don't throw out the gin with the bathwater. Sure, but to the extent like you know that the yeah, this harsh, this harsh frontier and and all the bad things that that yeah. that went into to pacifying that and mm-hmm. but yeah, like the loss of these larger than life characters. Um, you can be sad about that by and still be grateful that you don't have to jingle jangle your spurs and your guns down the street, you know? Right. Yeah. I, I don't know. This this movie. I'm so glad you like this me movie and that it's entertaining and thought provoking and it just is everything that I kind of want, even a modern day movie to be. Yeah. Uh, the, the acting is, uh, you know, what it is. Yeah. It's not. It's not my ideal acting style. But you know, it's what uh, I had some pretty this good. thought about like bad acting over the era because i don't feel like that the level like like you know is is um is john wayne better than humphrey bogart is humphrey bogart better than uh marlon brando is christian bale better than john wayne yeah (laughs) i i i don't know because it seems like you always have these guys that are like these stars and you always have these guys who are these famed actors and you have other people that are somewhere above or below the replacement line. Right. It's just like that. I felt like bad acting in the '60s was more underacted. Like people that were just bland and not emoting. Whereas now, sure. bad acting seems to be the performance is too big. Right. You know, yeah. like they're overacting and, instead of underacting. Yeah, and you know, we've we've talked about this. I think you mentioned this in Zulu, but it's it's a consequence of stage acting and and the way that I feel like the camera is getting ever closer to the actor and the action in films. Yeah. Um, so those large performances just look more ridiculous. And you had the same problem with like judging sports. It's like, you know, who's the greatest quarterback of all time. Can you still talk right. about Johnny Unitas? The rules are so different. Yeah. Do you go back in the, the days? Equipment was like so gym gym like, yeah. Yeah. Everything about the game has changed. Sure. Sure. I mean, you can still, see a pass back in the day and like, wow, that's a great pass. You can see like Jim Brown bull over people and like, Oh fuck, you could put him pads today and he'd still kick ass, but it right. is very hard to judge. And I think it's the same thing with a film because the law, the rules of cinema change faster. And I mean, you just look at the way things are edited now. Oh yeah. Versus the way things were edited 20, 30 years ago and then go 20, 30 years back. It's like, and I, I often think like, you know, if you went and showed for sure, something like crank, you showed. You oh went back to the thirties and showed someone crank. They'd be like, "This, I don't want to live in this world." People just shoot, <laughs> just commit suicide. Uh huh. Um, but like, I'm trying to think of something that's a little bit more important than that. But like, I wonder if people would just get lost. Like, this guy was in this location. Now he's in this location. Is it day or night? I don't know what's going on because they, yeah. they you know, you, we watch something like the Maltese Falcon. What strikes you is how absurd. Like. You know, they don't just dissolve like Humphrey's in his office and he's he's the dame comes and gives him the mission and then he's at the bad guy's hideout. No, he's got to fucking get his hat and his coat. He's got to put his smokes in his pocket. He's got to walk out. You got to show him walking out the other side of the door. 
out the building street. You got to show him strolling down the sidewalk, <laughs> hailing a cab, yeah. show the cab arriving at bad guy. He's got to walk through the hotel lobby, get in the elevator, because otherwise, how the fuck do you know he's not teleporting around? <laughs> like, whereas that seems so fucking bela- belaboring the point nowadays, but yeah. I don't... Because the language is so much more advanced, We're more sophisticated, right? yeah. yeah. Uh, it's that education that Jimmy Stewart wanted in this movie. Sure. We've, we've been educated to the language of film. We understand that, you know, we understand things like time lapses and montages and yeah. like all those sorts of uh, flares. It's all baked in. You don't have yeah. to. You're standing on the shoulders of these giants. But that's what I was thinking. Like, I, I, that's why I guess I appreciate the old shit is because it shows you can just see the evolution in this cultural yeah. thing in a way that like, and it seems like it's more accessible than art because like art. I don't know. Art never seems like it's got a continue like a times arrow. Like, you know, it's kind of funny. You go back 2000 years ago right. and you see some of these Roman and Greco Greco Roman works of art. And it's like, shit, that could, that's what I think a statue should look like. I think it's that funny looks that like you're... a dude that looks like a woman that looks like a lion that, yeah, you know, and then like, you think that like, Oh, well, but if you go back 10,000 years ago, people didn't know how to paint or whatever. But then you see those cave paintings in France are like 15, 20,000 years old and they're strikingly kind of modern in their way. And then modern art looks yeah. primitive and tribal. Who the fuck? I mean, whereas cinema <laughs> does seem like there is a time zero that points forward towards progress. Right. I think so. I mean, the tools get better and better. Whereas like, sure. You don't have a lot of advancement in tools when it comes to painting or pottery. Like you do have some, but, yeah, but not, not in the way that cinema has advanced. I mean, yeah, it's such where well, that's just the playing of style. Like that's the thing. You're right, just, you're just always rediscovering and reinventing styles. Where right, you, know, you can't go back to 1960 and and mount a camera to the the board on top of uh you know body mount a camera to somebody. Yeah, you can't do it. The cameras are too big and heavy and sure. clunky. Like you don't have the hardware to get it done. The technology. So what will movies look like in t- two thousand years? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Like maybe two thousand years. Maybe accessible there because be there's really only been like a hundred so years of right development. It's all rapid, and you can easily trace it. Oh sure. You know, yeah. a couple thousand years from now, who the fuck knows what visual entertainment will look like, and what will considered classic, and what styles right. will come back. And it's always neat. I think it's cool when someone makes a black and white film, like when Tim Burton does Ed Wood. Uh-huh. Like you can make a color movie. I think Tom. Uh, John Ford could have made this color. He chose black and white. Right. Steven Spielberg does it. Like, there, there's a reason to use these older tech yeah. uh, technologies. And I think that that's still something that's going to continue. Like, there, there's the part where the time zero is starting to point back in the other direction already. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I love film. Glad I get to talk about it. Yeah. get paid to do it. Uh, it's pretty cool. And Dr. Ken, you are the, the latest uh, uh, person who's uh, helped me do that. And I appreciate it. And I... Glad you commissioned this movie. I never, you know, it's one of those things where I never would have sat down. Like, I've always had this idea of, like, I want to go back and watch. I like modern westerns so much. Mm-hmm. I want to go back and see some old westerns. And not just, like, the Clint Eastwood old, like, like the really old, like, you know, guys in white hats and black hats and cowboys and Indians and see. But I've always thought, like, oh, I just don't know if I'll be able to engage with it. Yeah. But this movie gives me hope that it's going to be a rewarding experience. And I do. I want to go back and see those. Right. I mean... It also makes me go, well, I don't know. This is considered one of the best movies of all time. And yeah, I I, like, I don't disagree. I'm just like, what are the wor- worst Sure, you watch Akira and you're like, shit, I love anime. Right. And then you put on Dragon Ball Z and it's wah, wah. Exactly. <laughs> so like, you may have a rosy vision of 
these types of movies if you've seen the best of the best and never the worst of the best. Yeah, I I will let you know here in a couple months. Uh, I'll see all ten of them. I'll tell you what my opinion of the worst is and whether it's really saying it's the worst is... It's kind of like saying what's the worst Tarantino film. Right. It's Hateful Eight, clearly. But. Yes, I, I I think so, too. Uh, and actually, I would consider, it, be I so consider it a bad I consider it a bad film, but other people don't. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I wonder if I'll be like the way with, with uh, John Ford. Like, yeah, I saw his quote-unquote worst movie, and it actually was has no redeeming right. value at all for a modern audience. Who knows? Uh, uh, yeah, but thanks again, Dr. Ken. I appreciate you forcing me to watch a 60s movie that I enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, surprisingly. We got a uh, fun one coming up, Gross Point Blank. Right. I'm excited for that one. That's, I've only seen that movie twice, maybe. And it's, it's the John Cusack. And it's been like 10, 15 years. So it's going to be okay. another one where I remember being blown away and loving that movie, but I don't remember why other than, uh, you know, Mini Driver is awesome and John Cusack is right. awesome. And, and Dan Aykroyd occasionally can be awesome, too. His <laughs> crazy ass. Uh, so yeah, I'm excited about that. That's what's coming up next. If you'd like to commission, get get your uh, film in the hopper, your TV show in the hopper, go to baldmove.com slash shop. Click on the big film wheel. There's a whole bunch of community commissions where you can kick in a share or two at a time to help uh, a group of people get a beloved film made. Or you can just be like, fuck that. I want to make him watch all the John, the, the John Ford movies. Uh, and it would cost you a pretty penny. Yeah, the prettiest penny. We'll give you a deal if you want to sh- uh, do the other nine. Call us. We'll give you. A di- we'll oh, give you a ten percent discount. Ten <laughs> percent. Hey, I'm still trying to make money here. All right. Um, but uh, yeah, go to baldmove.com/shop and we can make that happen. Yep. See you next time.